2: And tonight on the Rita Cosby show, what a surprise. Here it is, Friday, and we are heading, of course, at the launch of a holiday weekend. And the Biden State Department releases an internal review of their catastrophic withdrawal of Afghanistan. What a surprise. Basically, they waited, uh, comes almost two years After, of course, the U.S. pullout of Afghanistan that was disastrous, even by the best accounts. Basically, it is only half declassified, half made public. Many people are saying, hey, where's the other half? But the half that we are seeing, again, that is clearly intent to be buried on a holiday weekend, basically shows that the officials were inept that they were ill-prepared for worst-case scenarios. They didn't appreciate how quickly the solution and the situation there could degenerate, could devolve. Key leadership roles were not empowered with authorities. It sounds like a textbook for disaster. And the report also says that the diplomats serving in Kabul, Afghanistan, who were forced to suddenly, remember, shutter their operations at the embassy, faced a task of unprecedented scale and complexity, and were completely basically caught off guard. This, to me, just is damning. And what a surprise that, again, it is coming out on a Friday late in the day. Everybody's heading off for the holidays. This was an internal review that the Biden administration said that they would do. Uh, soon after the botch withdrawal of Afghanistan. And Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, commissioned this review. Uh, it was a 90-days, basically, review. It included uh, interviews with more than 150 current and former State Department officials at all levels of the investigation. And it showed a clear just lack of organization. They seemed to be ill-prepared for worst-case scenario And seem not to be ready in any shape or form. And boy, you know, when the whole thing happened with the withdrawal of Afghanistan, I remember thinking, could anybody be that stupid? Um, And that was, remember, when President Biden was asked, you know, hey, by the way, uh, what are you thinking if potentially people have to be airlifted off the roofs of the embassy? And he's like, oh, that's not going to happen And then what about also when they said, well, the Taliban, you're actually leaving it in control of the Taliban security in Afghanistan. That doesn't seem right. Oh, they're going to be fine. Nothing to worry about. You're going to give up the base in Bagram. You're going to give up and open the prison there in Bagram. Oh, yeah. No big deal. Well, these are all cited as disastrous decisions, and they make it look like the State Department is like Abbott and Costello, like which one's on first, which one's on second. And it just reinforces that we had a leader that basically left everybody else rudderless, that they seemed to have no clue when he made a decision to pull out of Afghanistan and really didn't think it through on any shape or form. And again, that the people at the embassy, can you imagine how scary it must have been at the embassy at that time when suddenly they had to be rushed out of there in an expedited form? We still know to this day there are so many people left in Afghanistan. Uh, Many of our allies are there. Americans were left behind. It was probably one of the biggest blemishes in American military history. And uh, tonight, another nail in the coffin Coming from the State Department itself, its own internal review. This is what they made public. So can you imagine what they decided to keep declassified and what they decided to classify? In the classified area, Mike McCall, who is chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, says... Why do we not see the rest of it? We need to see the rest of it because there's probably even more damning information in the part that they are not putting out. What are your thoughts, everybody, uh, as this is a sad and obviously uh, much overdue review coming from this very sad chapter in U.S. military history? And I should say U.S. leadership history because it wasn't in our military. Our military did a great job. And boy, do they pay a heavy price because more than a dozen of our servicemen and women were killed there, remember, at the Abbey Gate by that suicide bomber. So I wonder if there's some details on that, maybe in the classified parts and other parts of this. But what do you make of the timing of it that here it is Friday and they have their own sort of scathing review that comes out and they're like, "Okay, listen, I covered in Washington when I was senior correspondent covering the White House in Washington and all the different events there, they would always put up the bad news late on a weekend when everybody's sort of in the vacation mode in the weekend mode. So you know that they desperately wanted to bury this information. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Nigel in Pennsylvania. Nigel, your thoughts about this.
3: Hi Rita. Yeah, clearly Biden they they made a mess and they really screwed up the withdrawal from Afghanistan. But in all fairness, you really ought to mention that what didn't help matters was Trump letting 5,000 Taliban prisoners out of jail and negotiating with the Taliban without the Afghan government. So please don't make this seem like it's all on Biden.
4: And by the way,
2: by the way Nigel, those are fair points. Um and if you ask President Trump, by the way, on the negotiation part, especially with the Taliban, and he didn't trust the Afghan government. And clearly they fled like uh, like second graders. Remember that the head of the Afghan government left with a whole bunch of suitcases worth of cash. Um, so despite maybe good intentions of them, they they uh, didn't stand uh, there with the ship. You know, I mean, you you got to be kidding me. Do you think the Afghan government, the leader of Afghanistan uh, was out? you know, quicker than almost anybody. He was like the first one out of the country and he barely did anything to evacuate the allies. He didn't do anything. So, I mean, shame on him, Nigel, too. They really just left it up to the U S on the other hand, the U S should have known that, that they were going to flee. I think Trump clearly did know that. And that's why he wasn't trusting them because they were playing both sides. The other issue too, Nigel, um, I agree with you. You know, I I didn't think it was a good move uh, to release those, Taliban fighters. But I also think it was even more disastrous to let go of the worst of the worst that were at that Bagram jail. And at the Bagram jail, by the way, was the suicide bomber who blew up at Abbey Gate and killed our servicemen and women. You realize that it was somebody who was in the Bagram jail. So the worst of the worst was in that jail. Everybody told the Biden administration, hold on to Bagram. I've been to Bagram, Nigel. I went over to Afghanistan. I've been to Bagram. That jail and that airbase was so pivotal for strategic reasons, even well beyond Afghanistan. And we gave it up. And everybody was telling this president, do not do that. You know that, right? I mean, even Millie said it. Uh, the guy who was in McKenzie who was overseeing operations over there, they testified to it. So, uh, you know, you also have to realize there's a lot of blame to go around. And guess what? This president was the one who was in charge of Afghanistan. If it happens under your watch, he could have handled it many other different ways. He knew what he was dealing with, and he decided to withdraw, leaving Americans behind, leaving allies behind, opening the gates of hell with that uh, prison of the worst of the worst in Bagram, leaving the base they, he left, and by the way, Nigel. While I'm at it, we didn't even talk about the 80 billion dollars worth of U.S. equipment that were left behind. I mean, how how crazy is that, Nigel? You gotta you gotta be kidding me. That that to leave 80 or to 90, it's like 85 billion dollars worth of equipment. They could have easily put it on a couple C-130s before they pulled out the people, but they didn't do it. And guess what? With Some of the biggest, most strong army in the world right now, it's like the number two best well-equipped army, is guess what? It's the Taliban, because they have our military might now, Nigel. You think that that's a good decision?
3: Am I allowed to speak now?
2: Yeah, you are, but as long as you have oh. something to say.
3: Oh, I have plenty to say, but you just went on for like 27 minutes.
2: Uh, actually, you know call. what? Yeah, actually, you obviously are having a trouble with numbers because it's not 27 minutes, but it is my show, Nigel. But I'll allow you to speak. Go ahead.
3: I began the call by saying clearly the Biden administration did a terrible job. OK, that's how I started the conversation. I heard it.
2: I heard it. But you didn't spend any more time on that. And that's what this report focuses a lot on. So I'm talking about well, the new news. Not-
3: If I had not brought up the Trump administration F-ups, would you have mentioned them? Probably
4: not.
2: Actually, I might have, Nigel. I might have. Actually, you know what, Nigel? I'm an independent. So that might be a new surprise to you. I just like common sense, which maybe is a little bit better than you are doing tonight. But have a great weekend, Nigel. Good luck with everything. Uh, Boy, that guy's going to have a fun holiday weekend. Let's go to Bob in New Jersey. Bob, your thoughts.
5: Thank you, reader, and boy, uh, I, after that one, I, I'm I'm sick of being sick. I, I have to be honest <laughs> with you. You know, the Nigel. gall to just the gall to just bring up the Trump name in these Friday afternoon reports is is galling to begin with. But for God's sakes, because everything mean, is Trump. Did Trump did Trump pull the plug on this stuff? No, Joe Biden is the the uh, the chief uh, clown in charge. So now hear this, folks, it wasn't Donald J. Trump, OK? And another thing, you know, if it wasn't for the New York Post and other now non-censored news agencies, go on MSNBC and look at the clip of Joe Biden looking like he had to go to the toilet and, and, and end the the review. If you look at MSNBC, oh, it looked like a normal review, but if you look at the, the non-censored outlets. It's like the man is demented. okay? dementia, demented. I'm sick of it, Rita. I'm sick of it.
2: Well, and Joe, by the way, um, you bring up a great point. I was waiting for Nigel to blame the Hunter Biden laptop dropped off at the computer shop um, as as basically uh, Trump's fault that Trump maybe walked it in. I mean, every or the sky is purple because of Trump. You know, Uh, you know, the, the sky is falling. It's Trump. Uh, anything that he can make up or create. But regardless, Bob, you know what? You brought up a a great point, because as we're sitting here looking at all this stuff, uh, look at the commander-in-chief. And you know other countries are watching that. They're watching what happened in Afghanistan, which was disastrous by all accounts. Uh, No matter uh, how Nigel tries to paint it, it it ain't going to work. It's going to be about as valuable as Hunter Biden's paintings. Um, But regardless of that... As you're looking at all of this, you know, Biden just walked off. He, They're looking at a weak president, and it saddens me. Uh, and, and I meant it. I said to Nigel, I'm an independent. I'm a registered independent, guys. You know, I am, and I'm just common sense. I like to call it like I see it. And in the case particularly of Joe Biden, him wandering off, he looked so out of touch this week during the MSNBC interview in New York. He sat there, and she's like, not even really done yet. And he's like walking off. It's like, ah, who is this old guy roaming around in the background? It was so crazy. And then in addition to that, Bob, he also earlier, I think it was earlier in the day that day or the day before he was asked, you know, what do you think of everything with Putin and the war on Ukraine? And he starts talking about Putin and the war in Iraq. I mean, he doesn't even know what country Russia is fighting. That, to me, is really scary, Bob. And and to me, you know, it's funny. At first, it was almost like, oh, that's kind of funny. He's a silly old guy or whatever. Um, but now it's getting really downright scary, I think, because if he can't remember which country Russia's at war with and say he's in the room with a world leader and he's in the room with a Putin or a Kim Jong-un or a Xi Jinping of China. I mean, all of these people, they're shrewd. They're sharp as a tack. Uh, they are trying to undermine America at every turn, and then he got a guy in there. They're watching a guy bumbling and fumbling, uh, and this report from the State Department showing rudderless, basically. And then you're seeing a guy who can't even figure out what time he should get off the set or not get off the set. And he, that was, by the way, we're going to talk later on in the hour, Bob. That was one of the softballest interviews I've ever seen. I, I'm actually quite embarrassed about it because they, she had every opportunity. She had 20 minutes live with the president. And she didn't ask him anything about Hunter Biden or the whistleblowers or any of that. It's like, where is journalism on that? And he couldn't handle that. And and it's like, uh, uh, I got to go. Yeah, I, I was wondering, like, do you think he had to go to the bathroom, Bob, or what was it? What do you think was the uh, was the reasoning behind it, Bob?
5: I think it was a potty break, but what bugged me also about that, reading, And thank you for, the, for taking the time for talking to, about this. But when she said, oh, the, the Trump, the MAGA supporters, their bell has run. And I'm going, w- what, what is she talking about now? You know, like. <laughs> well,
2: and he fed right into it. He said there's still hope for the GOP to, quote, break from MAGA was one of his other lines that he did.
5: But I know what oh. she meant, unfortunately. Yeah. you Donald can, Trump is going to jail, unfortunately.
2: Well, they are trying that. I, I wouldn't say uh, that's going to happen. What I would say is they're going to keep the charges coming. Uh, and, in fact, we have more news on that after the break, too. Uh, everybody continue. We are going to keep up with your calls after the break. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And let's hope Nigel's maybe calmed down a little.
0: It's the Rita Cosby Show.
2: guys know i also read your twitter comments by the way send them all the time to at rita cosby and sharon just texted me uh actually tweeted to me a very interesting point uh and this is a great point sharon it says uh quote uh it just occurred to me rita another biden china connection china very close to afghanistan i think it may border it did china tell biden to leave all the military equipment I think they did get some of it. That is a great point, Sharon, because you're right uh, that China apparently has received a whole bunch of that American equipment that we left behind. And you're right. The Bagram Air Base was strategic because it was close to China. So that's an interesting point. Maybe there is some big ulterior plan. We know that the GOP led House committees are looking in to all of the money that came in from these Chinese officials To Hunter Biden and other Biden family members looking into potential quid pro quo. Uh, This is what the whistleblowers are saying. Uh, And surely uh, Biden has definitely given China a big pass. So that's a really good point. Maybe there was something to look into there as to leaving the equipment behind as a favor. Wink, wink. uh, Nod, nod. China have at it. I mean, it's always stunned me. Why would you ever leave that kind of American equipment behind, especially some of the really expensive and sensitive technology? You would blow it up or you would at least put it on a plane and take it back. They had plenty of time to do it. They knew when they were planning on pulling out, it wasn't a mystery, even though they acted like they had no clue. But they knew when they were doing it, according to the Biden administration, I mean, announced it to the world. Wouldn't you have taken all the equipment out before you announced it to the world? as opposed to leaving it there for the bad guys to get. It just defies logic. Maybe you solved it, Sharon. And boy, if that's true, that is a really sad testament. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. let us go to Alan, line two. Alan, your thoughts about all this with China?
6: Hey, Rita, good to talk to you. Great program. You just kinda of th- stole my thunder from Sharon on that previous call and that's exactly my point is that the strategic importance of Bagram Air Force Base and closest to, to uh, China, I feel that they the influence they have over Biden because we know all this stuff coming out now from the uh and they didn't want that there. It's right in their own backyard. It was strategic importance for us there. They didn't want it there. They told Biden to get out and he he did exactly what they asked him to do. Right? He's 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 owned by those by the Chinese now.
2: You know what? Isn't that scary? Can you imagine if that turns out to be true? That is a really serious allegation that he left sort of sensitive U.S. equipment to help China, left Bagram uh, with nobody looking over his shoulder. It sort of sadly fits, Alan, with everything else we've seen. Um, Isn't that I mean, it sort of fits the pattern. Look, he did nothing with covid. He's done nothing on the spy balloon. Uh, They just keep making apologies, it seems like, left and right um, for, you know, everything that China does. Uh, Now they have a spy station set up in Cuba, 90 miles off our coast, right off of Florida. Um, So you might be right.
6: Yeah, yeah. And he's not doing anything. Whatever they ask him to do, he's going to do it because he's owned by them. He, He owes them.
2: Wow. Sad statement. But you know what? You may be right, Alan. And boy, if that comes out... Uh, that is uh, dereliction of duty. That's the nicest thing I can say. 1-800-848-9222.
0: It's the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back to Blue.
2: And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which we love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great law enforcement and also their families. A powerful story coming from New Jersey, where New Jersey state police troopers who carried out a dramatic rescue of two Clifton firefighters recently on the Passaic River said they relied on their training to complete the challenging operation. One of them was Shamik Songi. He is a New Jersey trooper for the last seven years. He was the man who actually rappelled down to the firefighters from the rescue helicopter. This was Songi's first hoist rescue. Songi is a member of the state police teams unit, which was established in 1978 as a full-time emergency response unit prepared to handle extraordinary police emergency Songi said this is pretty much what we train for we and we also train pretty often uh by the way uh they're about 100 feet off the ground during the entire rescue uh what an extraordinary operation and amazing that everyone is said to be doing okay and what a dramatic and very courageous rescue and it just shows great teamwork as well bravo to our great law enforcement and their families, and thank goodness, also in this particular case, uh, that the two Clifton, New Jersey firefighters are also said to be doing okay. Well, we are talking about this new news that just broke a little bit ago that the State Department released a scathing review it 's an internal report that they were forced to do because of public pressure because they were like, "Oh, what problem with the botch withdrawal? There was no botch withdrawal. Everything was great, Remember it in fact. I couldn't believe it. John Kirby, who used to be at the Pentagon and now is on the national security team there at the White House, he came out. He's like, no, everything went great. What are you talking about? Uh, All you could do is like, look at, uh, remember the thousands of Afghans? Chasing after the plane, the U.S. cargo plane, knowing it was like the last plane out, clinging, many of them dying because, you know, they were like grabbing onto the wings as it was like flying off. I mean, that was desperation. They knew what they were being left behind to uh, the Taliban, which was just utterly ruthless. And so now this internal review comes out. And who could forget? Here's just one of the comments that President Biden made about a month after the dismal withdrawal remember this
7: look let's put this thing in perspective here what interest do we have in afghanistan at this point with al qaeda gone we went to afghanistan for the express purpose of getting rid of al qaeda in afghanistan as well as as well as getting osama bin laden and we did
2: And, of course, Biden never took responsibility. He had a lot of blame to go around.
7: Since March, we reached out 19 times to Americans in Afghanistan with multiple warnings and offers to help them leave Afghanistan all the way back as far as March. Now we believe that about 100 to 200 Americans remain in Afghanistan with some intention to leave. The bottom line, 90% of Americans in Afghanistan who wanted to leave were able to leave.
2: That is just flat-out a lie, because uh, we've had even on the show people from Operation Pineapple, which is the group of mostly American veterans that were basically getting private calls, remember, from the State Department. They didn't want it out publicly, saying, "Uh, could you do us a favor and make sure it kind of doesn't get in the headlines? Could, Could you go in and save a couple hundred people or a couple thousand here? And they're still doing it to this day. I mean, you got to be kidding me. It is the most unbelievable. To me, it was such a slap in the face, not only to every American left behind, but to our allies left behind. Uh, They still can't get in. I took, by the way, a car the other day. I'll never forget. I took a taxi. uh, And I talked about this on the air a couple weeks ago. The driver was an ally of ours. He was a translator of ours in Afghanistan. And he started telling me the story of, you know, what he was going through and how he was so lucky to get out. Uh, And he was somebody who translated for America in Afghanistan. Uh, Many of his friends were killed. Many of his family members were killed. He was one of the lucky ones to get out. And he still has friends that are stuck there and can't come, that have been applying for visas. And yet we have our wide open southern border with this administration. There is something seriously wrong If we are not going to put those people who put their lives on the line for us every single day, and now many of them are getting executed if they were cooperating and helping the Americans. They are seen as the enemy to the Taliban, and they are being hunted down and tortured. And so this guy was telling me the story. I, I couldn't believe it. It was so heartbreaking, but it was just so raw. And now here we are hearing this report tonight that the withdrawal was just dismal on so many levels. They were ill-prepared, ill-informed, uneducated. Those are the nicest things we can say tonight, and what a cost that was to America and to our security around the globe. 1-800-848-9222. one 848 uh, Let's go to Susan, line four. Susan, your thoughts.
4: Okay, well, this has um, been a really disturbing um, situation with these 13 service people that were blown up by the um, suicide bomber. Yep. And um, there's been quite a bit brought out and then just, I, I think, something even more recently, but I want to read this from the New York Post quickly. Um A Marine who survived the deadly bombing at Kabul's airport during the 2021 U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan told lawmakers Wednesday, that was in August of 2022, that he was told not to kill a suspected ISIS terrorist who he believes was responsible for later later killing 13 of his fellow service members and Countless Afghanistans. Not to mention, those are just the ones that were killed. What about the ones that are maimed and uh you know, their families? This is was totally unnecessary and at Biden's hands.
2: By the way, you are absolutely correct because I remember that guy uh talking about how he was knocked out unconscious. And couldn't believe what he uh, was waking up to and and told not to take the shot, too. Remember, it was like, oh, my God. Um, And gripping and emotional. And just like you said, how many were injured? How many Afghans, by the way, were also killed and and injured, too, um, that were helping us, too, or or hoping to escape for freedom? Um, And and you're right. I mean, I don't even know the cost, uh, how to say thank you. To those families who lost their loved ones or their sons and daughters are coming home, like you said, maimed from during that time or, you know, and for what, Uh, you know, for ill preparedness. I mean, what kind of to me, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that to have one location to leave from and basically allow the Taliban to do security on the perimeter is a formula for disaster, I mean, why would you ever that's like saying, you know, uh, I'm going to do a, a withdrawal uh, from Ukraine. And you know what? Uh, we're going to have Putin uh, do security. You know, I mean, it's just it. It's, it defies logic, Susan. I mean, anybody could tell you the Taliban should never have been left in charge of security and we never should have left Bagram. We were offered to stay in Bagram. And according to multiple reports within the Biden administration, they said, no, we don't need it. Biden doesn't want it. But the military wanted it. They kept saying it, even though the president denied that. But all the military leaders under oath testified, we said to him he should keep it. But he decided no. And, and now you got to wonder for what. And you talk about what a high price uh, America has paid and our perception in the world just dropped like a like a lead weight. As a result of that, thank you very, very much. Let's go to Carl on line five. Carl, your thoughts.
8: Thank you, Rita, for taking my call. I believe that the Biden family has been totally bought out by the Chinese. And they uh, this is all a payback with the equipment uh, that they left behind the the uh, the airfield. All that that equipment was left behind because it's a payback to the Chinese uh also it's a payback because of the uh the uh the war in in uh, Af- uh in in um, um the Ukraine and also the possibility that China might try to invade uh uh Taiwan now i also feel that it's a kickback to all the co- the companies that build the military equipment uh, they're mostly most of them are located in Texas, so by not bringing that equipment back these people the, the those companies get new contracts to build that all that equipment that was left behind all all the equipment so if they had brought that equipment back they there would be no need to to actually sign up for more more contracts uh in in Texas for the the rebuilding of all the equipment they left behind. So it's a kickback to the all the companies that build the equipment uh, for the military.
2: And boy, but Carl, you know, you by the way, you, you bring up some superb points because you're right, it is a kickback to them, uh, but at what a huge cost uh, to American freedom and American stature. Um, by the way, I want to play also, this is one of the hearings we were talking about um, Susan was talking about sort of the hearings and how emotional it was when some of those service members who survived the bombing at Abbey Gate and when they testified in Washington. Here's a little bit um, just of that testimony. This was unforgettable.
9: About 1730, Staff Sergeant Darren Hoover, friend and mentor. Came to get me from the tower to go help find an Afghan interpreter in the crowd. We found the interpreter and his brother, born with American passports. They told us, five, told us of five family members still in the canal. I stayed there waiting for the family members standing against a two-foot canal wall. Ten minutes passed. <clears throat> then a flash <clears throat> and a massive wave of pressure. I'm thrown 12 feet onto the ground, but instantly knew what had happened. I opened my eyes to Marines dead or unconscious lying around me. A crowd of hundreds immediately vanished in front of me, and my body was catastrophically wounded with 100 to 150 ball bearings now in it. Almost immediately, we started taking fire from the neighborhood, and I saw how injured I was with my right arm completely shredded and unusable. I saw my lower abdomen soaked in blood.
2: Wow. I I mean, it, it is so emotional to still hear it uh now sometime later and you can remember the moment when he testified uh not you could just hear uh, you couldn't even hear a pin drop in the crowd it was so powerful and so emotional and somebody who was there uh let's go to steve in brooklyn steve your thoughts line 4
3: um we're in big trouble with our leaders and this is suitable for it joe and jill left capitol hill doing things they hadn't ordered Joe fell down on his Chinese crown, now leads us to the slaughter. Mrs. Jill, the nation's pill, runs cover for her spouse. Stop being dumb, let's throw the bum out of the nation's
9: house.
2: Wow, how long did it take you to come up with that one, Steve? Uh, You know, I'm not sure if you're going to win the poetry contest, but it was good. I will give you. It's
3: it's it's a statement of politics, not poetry.
2: uh, Yeah, but you know what? By the way, sadly, I do feel uh, we are being led to the hill, um, and I feel like we are in such a dire crisis. And you hit it on the head in so many of those words there, and it's troubling, Steve. There are so many serious things going on in the world, um, and Afghanistan. I think opened the door. Sadly to other countries saying, boy, we can walk all over America. As somebody who loves this country, we're heading into July 4th weekend. I still believe we're the greatest country in the world. But I am so deeply concerned of where our country is headed. Um, And I I do feel like it's rudderless. I feel like this report that came out a few hours ago, the scathing review on the withdrawal of Afghanistan, is just the tip of the iceberg. And it basically epitomizes our poor leadership on so many levels. Uh, Let's go to Joe. Line three, Joe, your thoughts. It is heartbreaking. Joe, I know you're a veteran. Um, your reaction to hearing just that gripping testimony. Joe, you there? Joe, call. Yeah, I'm right here, Rita. Yeah. I wasn't
6: sure. Okay. Yeah, Here's go the ahead, bottom Joe. Line, the bottom line, Rita. The is uh, in Joe's, in uh, Jill's book she wrote, uh, I help out at the food bank that it was in the free box. I wouldn't put a cent in their pocket. And then where the light begins. She talks about how he had brain aneurysms. We had brain surgery. Jill, I mean uh, uh, Re- uh, Rita, this is where they cut the top of the skull out and take and with scalpels going there. What's Once your point? What to air, the brain is never the same. This man talks like W.C. Fields, and when he's angry, he talks as if he's as if he's a Jimmy Stewart. Bottom line, the British were in Afghanistan 1860s, 1860s, 1840s, 1890s, biggest army in the world at the time, biggest empire. They couldn't win. Along comes Brainless Bush and Dickhead Cheney, and they think they can win. And we got 20 years there, 13 my brother and sister American Marines killed there over something as ridiculous as that. Hey, who's on first? What's on second? I don't know. He's on third. Talk about a lack of communication.
4: Oops,
2: Joe, I lost you, but I'm
6: coming up. adopt an American veteran. Bring the American veteran to a picnic. Go visit them at the VA hospital, the state VA, the federal VA. Make a difference for the veteran and vote this bum out.
2: Joe, boy, uh, I hear your emotion, and uh, you are so right about all the mistakes that were made. And also, by the way, Joe, I loved your message, too, about remembering uh, veterans, especially this weekend. And if you see a veteran, you know how much I love all you guys and appreciate you, Joe, so much, and your comrades. um, They're just the best. They're the best of all of us. And I completely agree. I can't tell how many lunches for veterans I bought over the years. Um, and I love it every time because it's, I feel like it's the least that I can do. Um, thank you, Joe. We love you. And thank you for your service, my friend. Uh, we'll continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222.
0: It's the Rita Cosby Show.
2: And coming up, by the way, if you thought the special counsel, Jack Smith, was done with Trump, think again. He is potentially planning, get this, 45 more charges in the documents case against President Trump. He is far from over. We're going to talk about that and also some new details in the Hunter Biden case. Meantime, what do you think of this dismal withdrawal about the uh, and the dismal with re- report about the botch withdrawal from Afghanistan, your thoughts of where we are going now. Let's go to Al line six. Al, your thoughts about all of this. This is stunning, uh but not surprising because boy, was it a mess?
5: Yeah, hello, Rita. You know, uh for the, the Biden uh, administration, this that was a real disaster. Since that occurred, uh things for the administration have gone from bad to worse. And up until that point, I'd say the worst withdrawal America had ha- ever had that we really looked uh, it looked bad to the to the world is the fall of Saigon, but
10: this was even
5: worse than the fall of Saigon in nineteen seventy five in uh, Vietnam.
4: What a sad
2: testament! And you know what, Al? I think you're right. Why do you think it's worse?
5: Because you know what transpired, all the weaponry we lost, all you know the. The Taliban were uh, our major enemies. They were terrorists who caused so much problems in the free world.
2: Yeah, you're right. You're right. By the way, Al, what a sad testament. And we are going to be paying the price for a long time to come. Much more in the next hour, everybody. Stay with us.
0: It's the Rita Cosby Show.
2: This Friday night, if you think President Trump has had enough legal issues to deal with, well, they're going to keep on coming. Uh, this is stunning. Uh, the special counsel, Jack Smith, remember who has been looking into the documents matter with President Trump, and of course, charged him with those felony counts 37 felony criminal counts, the first time an American president ever has faced federal criminal charges. Well, now it looks like Jack Smith is not done. I mean, this is an amazing moment. If you think that the DOJ is political, uh, you're really going to think it after this. Because, boy, they are just getting started. There are multiple reports tonight that special counsel Jack Smith is reportedly ready to hit President Trump with up to 45 more criminal charges just in the classified documents case alone. Now, just remember, we have heard zero from the special prosecutor that's supposed to be investigating President Biden. Remember, on the classified documents, there was a guy named Robert Hur. He was appointed. And President Biden had documents strewn all over the eastern seaboard, it seemed. I mean, he had documents, remember, in his garage, Uh, Next to his beloved Corvette with the door wide open where Hunter Biden was hanging out. That sounds really safe. Uh, Also in all these other locations and many of them from times that he was all the way back to senator where he had zero right to be having those documents in any shape or form. He never should have taken them, period. You would think that would be a slam dunk case. You could contend on the presidential stuff that presidents are allowed to declassify. That's certainly up for constitutional discussion. And it certainly will be a big focus of President Trump's defense. But yet there's no gray that a senator is allowed to take classified documents. And Biden did. And yet we haven't heard word one. And remember, on the Trump side, uh, there have been so many leaks from the special counsel investigating President Trump. They put out the audio tape a few days ago. I mean, that was stunning. CNN released the audio tape of a conversation that they said, you know, was President Trump talking to his staff, uh, potentially discussing classified documents. They played it left and right. So all of these things are going on. And in the middle of all this leak after leak after leak, it's almost like Niagara Falls. And then on the other side, you don't even we don't even know if the other Robert is alive. I mean, he's not even doing anything. He is so laying low And hasn't made any motions or any indictments or anything against President Biden or anybody else. And yet we're already hearing that this guy is like racking up a couple more dozen charges. Why don't you add a few more zeros to it? You know what I mean? It's like, it is just unbelievable. And this doesn't even include what could be coming tied to Georgia. It doesn't even include what could be coming potentially on the January 6th investigation. I mean, there are like still a whole bunch of other stuff. And yet, if you look at the polls, President Trump is still killing it in the polls. I mean, he is still skyrocketing. In fact, his lead has actually increased. I mean, think about it. With all the things that he's been going through, all the slam dunks and everything he's been going through, um, and all the cases against him, he has actually accelerated on the GOP side And in some of the polls, they're showing a drop in Ron DeSantis. In fact, he's, you know, furthering his lead. Ron DeSantis is dropping. So why is this happening? And do you think it is any coincidence that here it is, things are certainly heating up against Biden? There's no question. On the Biden family side, um, there are reports that President Biden is consumed by all of these allegations against his son. They're probably never going to tell you that publicly, but it's coming from a liberal media source reporting that he's consumed. He doesn't want to hear anything of any advice or anything like that, uh, that he is just so focused on everything. He's probably worried. Will it eventually connect to the big guy and will there be a money train? We talked to James Comer earlier this week uh, and uh, John Katsimatidis and I on and Cosby at five o'clock. And James Comer was telling us in great detail, he was in the studio with us, and telling us in great detail uh, some of the things they're looking into. And it is extraordinary. He was saying it's anywhere from 30 to 40 bank accounts. It could end up to close to $40 million. And he believes eventually it will trail back to things that the big guy received. And potentially even a bank account that maybe somehow shows up money towards the big guy eventually. So they're definitely closing in. And it's not just Commerce Committee. Commerce Committee is a House Oversight Committee. Then you got Jim Jordan, who is the Judiciary Committee. And then you've got uh, Paul Smith, um, and he is the head of basically the Ways and Means. So you've got all of these guys, Jason Smith, who's looking at all of these things, all three of them, sort of together, working together. Uh, and then you've got these very credible whistleblowers. So is it any surprise to you that in the middle of all of this, now suddenly it's like, surprise, surprise, the heat is finally getting on. And it's not just getting on Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. The heat is actually really getting on the whole Justice Department because it's showing favoritism. It's showing special treatment. Some of these allegations, which we're going to play again from Gary Shapley, because they are stunning to me. And they are not just from some. You know, individual who doesn't have any connections. This guy is a senior IRS whistleblower. He's been on the job 14 years. He was the senior supervisory agent for this case. And he has other people who've corroborated already his story. He's also said here are other individuals who are in these meetings. So he's naming names. And he is not afraid to come forward. And he said he's never seen anything like this in the 14 years that he has been there doing investigations. He said there were roadblocks. There were tipping off on raids. I mean, like all this stuff that is so unethical. And what a surprise that now not only is Hunter Biden and Joe Biden under the microscope, but the whole Department of Justice is under the microscope. And Merrick Garland may have lied under oath by saying, oh, no, we didn't put any pressure whatsoever on the investigation of Hunter Biden. No way, no how. Everything was fine. Everything was above board. And boy, all this stuff with the whistleblowers are damning. And he's also pointing names to folks at the FBI and elsewhere. So the plot is thickening. So here comes along Jack Smith saying, you know, what? we're not quite done yet with the classified documents. We got a whole bunch more to look into. Well, earlier today, when that news broke, uh, this is what Professor Alan Dershowitz told us. Uh, He said it is very clear what the objective is from the Biden team, and that includes the Biden Justice Department.
6: We have a special counsel. We're going to appoint you to look at the problem. Of classified material is it over classified? Are the rules clear? No, they didn't do that. They said there's only one person we want you to get. We want you to get Trump. We want you to get him on classified material. If you can't get him on classified material, get him on the January 6th. If you can't get him on January 6th, get him on uh, what happened in, in in Atlanta, Georgia. If you can't get him on that, well, maybe the state district attorney in New York will get him on some failure to disclose in a public forum hush money that was paid to allegedly cover up an adulterous affair but we'll get him one way or another we'll get him
2: one way or another we'll keep coming let's see uh did he like jaywalk when he was 15 we're going after that too did he spit out gum on the sidewalk when he was 12 let's write that down guys here is gary shapley Um, He is that whistleblower again. I was talking about the senior supervisory agent. And this was really gripping. This is when he did an interview with my buddy Fox News host, Brett Baer, um, earlier this week. And take a listen to what he said. He said the money that Hunter Biden, remember, with all the tax charges, the sweetheart deal, uh, that, by the way, there's new news on that tonight, too. Heritage Foundation is basically uh, filing suit saying that that plea deal should not go through, filing it with the judge. Um, So that's interesting. I bet you there's going to be other people trying to block that plea deal to say, hey, wait a minute, don't accept the plea deal, Judge, with Hunter Biden. Investigate all these serious claims from an IRS whistleblower and find out if the Justice Department intervened, if there was some special treatment. Uh, I hope that the judge listens to him because, boy, would that be powerful. It should be at least investigated 1,000%. But Gary Shapley, the whistleblower, says, uh, take a listen, because the small amount of money that actually turned up at the end of the day where they're focusing on him not paying the taxes and also the diversion on the gun charge, uh, he says it is literally just a drop in the bucket and that they actually discovered a lot more, but were basically told do not investigate. This is absolutely damning. Take a listen.
11: When prosecutors don't allow you to put the subject's name on document requests." Around or or on search warrants, then, you know, it raises the possibility that there's more information out there we didn't find. But, um, but based on all of the financial records that we did find, you know, they've been, they've been analyzed. And it was around 8.3 million he received. From who? They came from from China, from Cefc, came from Ukraine and from Romania, and um, you know, even even the Burisma money and and, and it's kind of a aspect that we didn't get into, but um, the 2014 and 2015 tax years when the Burisma money was coming in. I mean, to this day, um, um, there's still around $400,000 of unreported income from Burisma in 2014. Hunter Biden was told by his partner, Eric Schwerin, that he needed to amend his returns, and he never did. So D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office declining those charges. David Weiss requesting special counsel authority and being denied, and then the statute of limitations then expires in November, December of 2022. So those years are gone. And there's no way to recoup the the, the, the money from that burisma income.
2: Wow, what an interesting thing. Statute of limitations just happened to run out. It doesn't take five years plus to investigate minor tax issues like this if they were small. But that's why they weren't small. It was like, well, let's just kind of drag this out. And the gun issue. I mean, here is a president who is pushing for gun control. If anybody else falsified on a gun charge, they'd be in prison. And there are many people that are in prison. There's all these like individuals. There's rappers that have come out. There's this rapper Kodak Black that came out and said he was basically a lesser offense. And he said he got three years in prison. And he's sitting there looking and saying, God, if my my name was only Hunter Biden, boy, things would be different. That is not fair. Uh, And here is Gary Shapley, the IRS whistleblower. This part to me is also shocking. Take a listen to one of the other allegations. He says basically they weren't allowed to do search warrants. He also says that also, guess what, Uh, that basically the Hunter Biden legal team seemed to have been tipped off. Like, hey, by the way, tomorrow we're going to go raid a uh, storage locker. Does that sound fair to anybody out there? Listen to this one.
11: Transitioning into another uh, search warrant was on a storage unit in Northern Virginia, and during the day of action on December eighth of uh, twenty twenty, we got updated information that said that records were in that location that were uh, you know that would be evidence in this uh, particular investigation, and the prosecutors initially were supportive of it and an affidavit was drafted the night of December eighth, 2020 to go forward for approval. Eventually the prosecutors decided they didn't support it so I called U.S. Attorney David Weiss with my senior executive on the phone and we said you know, we, we needed to execute this search warrant. They, uh, he responded that the prosecutors didn't want to and I asked if in 30 days if that storage unit wasn't accessed and that was the deadline for the document request that was served on that day then we can execute the search warrant, and he agreed to that. And no sooner had gotten off the phone um, with David Weiss had we learned that the prosecutors were informing defense counsel of that storage unit and the evidence that existed there. So it completely ruined our chance to uh, to access those unfettered.
2: Isn't that amazing? I mean, talk about uh, it just stinks. And again, it's coming from somebody so credible. And then this. Is basically the icing on the cake, because, of course, it's not just about a father's love, as the the view describes the case with Hunter Biden. Uh, it is about big money and quid pro quo and these allegations of potential bribery. And this is basically what Gary Shapley had to say about Joe Biden. Listen to this one.
11: As far as the president's involvement in that, so... That's kind of the crux of of one of the issues here is that we weren't allowed to ask questions about Dad, We weren't allowed to ask about the big guy. We weren't allowed to include uh, uh, certain names and document requests and search warrants. So, um, you know, we were precluded from following that line of questioning.
2: We were not allowed to ask about the big guy. I I mean, uh, how is that justice for America? We all deserve to know what's there, wherever the truth is. Let's follow it. Uh, and by the way, if Biden is innocent, uh, if it all just looks really bad, which it sure does, but if at the end of the day they don't find something, he should be exonerated and it should be cleared. Uh, so it's, it's fair to him that it gets investigated so the Americans know the truth. 1-800-848-9222. one 848 Let's go to Tony, uh, line seven. Tony, your thoughts about all of this.
10: Hi, Rita Cosby. So I have two comments. Number one, as you know, recently in the past few days, the Senate report on January 6th made a stunning report that the FBI, in fact, knew about uh, the attacks that were coming um, on January 6th. I don't know if you read about that. Um, I did. I did.
2: I did read. And I'm glad you reminded me of that.
10: So to me, okay, that's why Jack the Ripper Smith, ammunition gun is going to get loaded more. So that's one thing that happened. But the way I'm seeing it, and I guess I understand the mentality so well now, is that as the dollars go up on Hunter Biden and as the LLCs are getting found, the more stuff that gets found on the Biden side, the more Jack the Ripper Smith is pulling out things that didn't exist before on Trump. And it's just so stunning because you could see he's just doing it because he's trying to build up his case as the case against Hunter Biden and the Biden family is getting worse. It's just a game. And I think America can't get caught up up in it. I think our uh, Congress is doing a stunning job. And I'm so glad to hear about this report from the Senate on January 6th, because this is amazing for President Trump. I mean, it shows that the FBI knew about it.
2: Yep. And And, and by uh, the way, they clearly had to know something because – you know, they had some people apparently inside, you know, there are reports about that. And also, yeah, I, I still, you know, the one thing that bothers me, by the way, on January 6th to this day, uh, I mean, there's a lot of questions I have. But how come we never got the opportunity and and maybe we still will, you know, with Republicans in charge at some point, I would love for them to show the other side of January 6th, which we never heard Um, of, In fact, specifically Nancy Pelosi she was in charge of security on the Capitol, and the former Capitol Hill police chief came out and said, um, you know, basically, uh, I was told to stand down from Nancy Pelosi's office. I think she needs to be under oath, and we need to hear questions on that. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. one 800 Great points, Tony. Thank you.
0: It's the Rita Cosby Show. You been-
2: Well, you can never go wrong with a little bit of Michael Jackson on a Friday night, as we are, of course, heading into a great Fourth of July weekend. When we come back, we're going to take your calls on a whole bunch more. I see we got some veterans here, so we'll make sure we talk about Afghanistan. Also, the investigation into Hunter. And what did you make of the Supreme Court blocking President Biden's false promise of student loan debt? Is it all about politics? We're going to talk about that and more.
0: It's the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes.
2: And in tonight's support, our hero segment where we honor our great military and their families. A powerful story coming from Eureka, California, where the Humboldt County community gathered there to honor a special service member, U.S. Army veteran Sergeant Robert Rode, who served during World War II and is listed as a Humboldt Hero, Veteran Road enlisted in the army in 1943 and he served in Italy during World War II. By the way, in high school, right after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, Road was a messenger courier during the California coast blackouts when there was fear of an invasion from Japan. He was drafted into the army in 1943 and after initially training In the anti-aircraft division, he was then transferred to infantry replacement. Rhodes served in Italy, initially arriving in Naples and ending up in Florence as the war progressed. Now, after the war, he finished out his enlistment at Fort Benning, Georgia, achieving the rank of sergeant. And how beautiful to see that he was honored this week for his incredible and his great service. By the way, as of six months ago, according to the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs statistics, of the 16 million U.S. veterans who served our nation during World War II, approximately 167,000 of them are only still alive today. Uh, Wow. Uh, Very, very small number compared to how many were here Uh, Again, 167,000 veterans who served our nation during World War II. So if you run into any of them this weekend, especially on July 4th, make sure that you thank them for their incredible service. Uh, Members of the greatest generation. Well, I am so passionate about this country and what we stand for and who we are and the importance of what we represent, not just to us, but to the world. And that's why this whole Afghanistan with, you know, withdrawal was just such an unbelievable disaster and such an embarrassment, um, and I think such a stain, unfortunately, on our country. We got Jay, who's on the line here, line two. Go ahead, Jay, your thoughts about all this.
1: Maria, I can't talk to you long. I'm 76 years old, and uh, in 1965, I went. To a place called Cameron Bay. Nobody even knows about that place anymore. Wow. And uh, I was in the 101st. We were the last people to leave. And the difference between Afghanistan and Vietnam was that Vietnam is not going to attack the United States. Okay. When we withdrew from Afghanistan, those people have evil intentions toward us. Um, we should never have gone to Vietnam. It was a screw job. I left a lot of good friends there. Um, We took more casualties than any other unit. We had more Medal of Honor winners than any other unit. And uh, nobody wanted to mess with us over there. We left Afghanistan, and we left a lot of bad people that have evil intentions to this country. Um, That's all I want to say. I I listen to your show every night. I'm borrowing a phone to call you because uh, I don't sleep well at night. And um, that's all I wanted to say. There's a big difference between leaving Saigon and leave in Afghanistan. It's a huge difference.
2: Wow. What a, what a powerful um, comments that you're saying, Jay, too, because you're right. Um, Afghanistan, as we know, uh, that's where everything was happening with Osama bin Laden and all those guys and what they did to America. By the way, Jay, I just recently went to the 9-11 Memorial Museum. I've been down to ground zero many times, but I'll I'll tell you an honest thing because you were very emotional with me. I really was... was Almost a, not afraid to go there, but I lost friends uh, on 9-11. Uh, my friend Barbara Olson was on the plane that crashed into the Pentagon. And um, and I knew other people. And I would have been in the Twin Towers on 9-11 uh, if it wasn't for me canceling uh, the night before. And so for me, it's extremely um, emotional um, what happened that day and what they did to our country. And I, we can never say thank you enough to people like you. Um, and our other veterans, and everybody who is defending our freedom. And thank you very much for your service. I just heard also um, just what what you're still going through, and we can never thank you enough. Um, and I wish I had been a journalist during Vietnam, because I would have been there cheering you when you came home. Um, unfortunately, I, you know, I'm not old enough, but I would have been right there on the front lines uh, cheering you guys on, and I hope that you see the appreciation that me – And every single other American feels for you now. And welcome home. We love you and we appreciate you. Thank you, Jay, uh, for that really emotional call and also reminding us as we're heading into July 4th weekend. Um, Let's go to John on line five. John, your thoughts about all this.
12: Yes, Rita, thank you. I am also a veteran. I served from 64 to 1970. Thank you. I asked to go to Vietnam. The government sent me to South Korea, where I met my wife. But that's not really what I wanted to talk about. I'm disappointed in our Congress. They're they're doing a a great job, but it's not good enough. They're wasting time. They should have impeached uh, Biden and Harris right after Afghanistan. But of course, we didn't have the Congress like we have today the Republicans. But they have it now. Impeached Merrick Garland. Do the process. Now, that's why—see, they're doing—the Democrats, Biden is doing the same thing they did in 2020. They went after the Supreme Court judges, the Republicans, if you remember, okay, were concerning abortion. And then everything was upside down. And they're lies and deceived, They're playing that long game. Uh, and now with, uh, with trying to get to put our President Trump in uh, more trouble and maybe so he don't run again, because they're afraid that he's going to win. And he will win. He will win if we get— the, the American people to know the truth and that the only way the American people, you and I and all of us here in the United States is going to know the truth is to get them uh, to answer these questions uh, with the subpoena and then don't just take their word because they're going to lie when they're subpoenaed anyway.
2: No, you're right. You got to get back up. Um, and you're right, John. We need to get to the answers. And and you hit it on the head because It wasn't until just this January that the Republicans, remember, took over the House. So they haven't had it that long. Uh, I mean, you know, it's uh, still June. uh, Very soon it's going to be July uh, in a matter of minutes. Um, But um, they haven't had it that long and they haven't had the power to do subpoenas and any of those things or any of the investigations. So thank goodness uh, they're there at least to be able to investigate or we never would hear about any of these things. Um, But you're right. Uh, Time is of the essence uh, because it's already getting into the campaign season. As we know, full swing. The debates are going to start. There's a million things uh, and they got to hop on it. I will tell you, though, John, I literally was sitting three feet away from James Comer uh, this week as he joined us in studio. And he said he is damned and determined to get to the bottom of it. And all three committees are now turbocharged, working hand in hand. And they're getting bank records. They're getting phone records. Uh, As you saw, they're getting these WhatsApp messages from Hunter. I mean, they're getting all this stuff, finally. And they're getting whistleblowers who are coming forward, credible whistleblowers. So I feel like the dam is about to break. I really, really do. Um, And, in fact, I want to play cut 18. Uh, This is Rudy uh, Giuliani because we were talking with Rudy earlier about all of this stuff. And he believes that things are really on the cusp of something big. Uh, All pointing to the big guy. Take a listen.
5: I mean, when you look at the last two or three weeks, the mountain of evidence that has been accumulated against Joe Biden and Hunter Biden is unprecedented. I've I've never seen as much evidence of massive multi million dollar bribes uh, in all different forms, including a whistleblower, uh, uh, text messages, videos, uh, uh, tape recordings. That makes it clear that over a 30-year period, which Hunter summarizes for us in a text on December eighteenth, 2018, that for 30 years he's been paying all the expenses of the family and giving his father half of his income. Now, with all that evidence, that summarizes exact.
2: That summarizes exact. I guess uh, you don't need to go much further when you got that, but you're right. It really does show just a willingness, and I do think uh, we're on the cusp of so much else. And that's why I also believe, um, as we're talking about what happened today uh, with the Supreme Court, by the way, coming down with this decision on student loans, The Democrats, I think, are also giving a lot of false promises. They know they're trying to do anything they can to win because they see what's happening when one house is in Republican hands. Uh, They don't want to lose the White House and they don't want to lose the Senate uh, because they know what's coming. By the way, if the Senate happens, then they have enough votes for even impeachment, whether it's uh, a a Mayorkas or whether it's a Garland or somebody else. Uh, They know that. So they're going to they're fighting tooth and nail. And that's why, by the way, I firmly believe, you guys, that all the student loan stuff that President Biden was pushing for, that the Supreme Court shot down just a few hours ago, it was all just like a, a big political game. He knew he did not have the authority to do it. He absolutely knew he didn't have the authority to do it. Nancy Pelosi. In fact, let me play this first. This is 24A. This is Nancy Pelosi. Uh, this was about a year and a half ago or so. She's on the floor of Congress. And this is Nancy Pelosi, remember? And she was the Speaker of the House uh, for the Democrats, uh, one of the most powerful people there in Congress for the longest time.
4: And listen to what she said. This is what the uh, Supreme Court said. The difference between the president do president can't do it. So that's not even a discussion. They, not everybody realizes that. But the president can only postpone, delay, but not forgive.
2: So the president cannot forgive. And guess what? Biden said it when he was in the Senate, and the Supreme Court said that today. They said in their decision, they just quoted what Biden said when he was in the Senate. So he knew darn well he didn't have the authority, because guess what? Anything that costs money, and this was costing a whopping amount of money, uh, had to go through Congress. It's Congress's authority. It's not the president when it's the purse strings. The president can do executive orders, but not when it's such an enormous amount of purse strings. And so— he was just throwing it out there. And guess what happened? Twenty six million young people signed up and older, signed up for student loan forgiveness before the 2020 election. And guess what happened? Uh, and John Katzimatides, who I have the pleasure of hosting with at five o'clock, John always says this and he's spot on. He's like, guess what? The twenty six million. Guess who they voted for? They voted for Biden. And even though Biden knew he didn't have the authority, they voted for him. And guess what happened in November? There was no red wave because suddenly you get 20 million people saying, you know what, God, this guy's going to give me free stuff like a false promise. They didn't know that. But, oh, God, this guy's going to give me free and this guy's not going to give me anything free. I'm going to go with the free guy. It's sort of like Obama did. Remember, during his election, it was like, you heard all these rumors about the Obama phone. I interviewed people walking out of the voting booths. I'm like, who'd you vote for? They're like, Obama, because he's going to give me free this. He's going to give me free this. I want free this. And it's like a false promise because the president never knew he couldn't do it. But it didn't matter. The damage was done. And now he's turning it around saying, well, today I was shot down and it's the MAGA Supreme Court that's not giving you the free stuff. So you can already see where the campaign ads are going to go for 2024. But here is a reporter asking President Biden today, why did you give them false hope? You knew you didn't have the authority. And listen to this. Listen to this Mr. President, speech.
10: Why did you give millions of borrowers false hope? You've dated, doubted your own authority here in the past.
7: I didn't give any false hope. The question was whether or not I would do even more than was requested. What I did, I thought was appropriate and was able to be done and would get done. I didn't give borrowers false hope, but the Republicans snatched away the hope that it was, they were given, and it's real.
2: The Republicans snatched away out of the jaws of life. You can already see where they're going. They snatched away, uh, you know, helping African-Americans, they're going to say, on the affirmative action, even though it's about merit and treating everybody equally. Um, They snatched away the student loan, they're going to say, even though the president had zero authority to do it. And he knew it. But it's a great political shtick. And this is where they are going. But they are doing whatever they can, John, to your point that they have to do whatever they can to try to win this next one because they know that just in the short bit of time, look at what they've uncovered. Look at what that those three committees have uncovered in just a matter of months. Can you imagine if suddenly after more time what they'll come up with and also if the Republicans take control of the Senate or the White House, they know the truth is really going to come out. And I'll continue with your calls, everybody, after the break.
0: It's the Rita Cosby Show.
2: Uh, I would call him a flunky president, not a funky one, but he isn't doing too well. I'd give him an F, but 1-800-848-9222. That's if he would know that he's even getting graded because he doesn't even know. Did you see that interview the other day with MSNBC? He's like walking off the stage like, "Uh, where's the bathroom? Oh, that's right. I'm on air with a couple million people. And you know what? Also really drove me crazy about that interview. And this is sort of emblematic of what's going on in the media today. He was on live for 20 minutes and even said, well, I never had Merrick Garland. I never discussed any cases with him. The reporter never asked a single question about Hunter Biden or the whistleblowers. Not a single one. I mean, that's like, uh, as we're talking about journalism, is journalism dead? How could you not ask? Even if you are clearly a favorable media, which is why he picked MSNBC, uh, because you never see him do it with anybody other than somebody who thinks is going to go easy on him. But it was very chummy. And it's a right to be a little chummy. But you know what? Uh, Then when it comes time to business, get down to business. And there are so many huge, serious questions that we've been talking about tonight that the American public deserves answers on. There are credible whistleblowers. There are so many issues. Every time the press screams at him, you know, from like the White House lawn, uh, did you do anything with your son? Uh, what do you think of the shakedown? And the at least they're finally some of them are at least starting to ask some questions. He's like, no, he's screaming, no, no, he's angry. He doesn't want to even answer it. Like, what are you talking about? And one time, remember, he said, "Where's the money?" Ha ha ha! Like almost like Al Capone. Like, hey, catch me if you can. Uh, It was just bizarre. Uh, But yet here was this moment, and I was actually really looking forward to it. And maybe I had a little more faith in MSNBC than they did in themselves, because I would have thought for sure they'd say, what is your reaction to Gary Shapley, the whistleblower? He says this happened. You're telling me uh, that it's just a coincidence you were not sitting next to your son when your son said, I'm sitting here next to my father in that WhatsApp message, according to Gary Shapley which it came, uh, according to reports, came from the Apple iCloud from a subpoena. I mean, there was the perfect moment. You're telling me, Mr. President, that that's a lie, that your son, yes or no, were you sitting next to your son when he wrote, I'm sitting next to my father? My father says this. We basically are shaking you down is the way the message sort of sounds. Uh, And again, the, the son just said, oh, I was high. I didn't really realize what I was doing. I mean, that way, why would you not ask that question? That is like the $64 million question. I would have started the interview with that. Uh, and I would have gone back and forth the whole thing on the whistleblower. So that's not true. How can you prove it's not true? So you never met with any of your friends' business partners, even though they walked into the White House X times, even though there's a picture of you standing next to them on the golf course. And you just ignore it? And you don't even ask, what is ha- what is going on with journalism today? Shame on them. That, to me, was such a lost opportunity. Was there some deal? We're not going to ask you anything, uh, just what your favorite ice cream flavor is? How sad is that for the American public? Uh, let's go to Jacqueline real quick. Line 8, Jacqueline, your thoughts.
4: You know something, Rita? Uh, it would be a wonderful Fourth of July if they would do a full sweep, starting with Biden, continuing with Kamala Harris, Madam Lugosi, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Merrick Garland, Lock them all up and put them in jail, just like they would do uh, with the mafia in some of the movies.
2: Well, I'd settle for them even just answering some questions. I'd start with that. I'd even be happy with that. And let's see where the chips fall. Everybody have a great weekend. Happy birthday, America.